0: Hello East Glenville Community Church, this is Jessica Munn and Pastor Mitch, and today we have a big question. Uh, so we're Huge question. Huge question, yes. So we're going to do a special uh, and not talk about a sermon this week. And uh,
1: Partly because we had the youth Sunday, and so yes. we kind of didn't know what would even be taught. We had a last minute preacher for that, so we, we talked about let's do a topic mm-hmm. that we both are interested in.
0: Yes. And so, so Mitch, I have a really big, huge, ginormous question.
1: <laughs> All right. Hit me. Uh,
0: is America a Christian nation?
1: Excellent question. Um, I knew it was coming, but <laughs> I, uh, it is, it is something I've, I've thought a lot about and we've been, um, I've kind of had variations on that question at different times. So we, to, to, to start off with, I, I want to, in this sense, maybe even reassure you a little bit because um, ultimately we're going to say no for, for theological and biblical reasons. But I do want to, I guess, ascertain like Christianity has had certainly a big role in the founding of the church and the history or founding of America and the history of America. Um, and I know sometimes when people bring up this question, they'll use it in a way to downplay downgrade America and, and neg- speak negatively. I, I just want to clarify, I, I believe at least that America has been a net force for good in the world. So I, I'm not in any way trying to bring it down. But why, why talk about this? Um, I was listening to a podcast today and it talked about beliefs that that have um, are universal in America. So it was, is there 25% of Republicans and 16% of Democrats believe America was chosen by God? In a sense, meaning that America is a new chosen nation um like a unique covenant with god, and so if you if you go with that, it's thinking of America as like like Israel was in the Old Testament, so America is now and And I think what that is is it's confusing what it means to be it confuses what it means to be an American with what it means to be a follower of Christ. Hmm. It also assumes that the Constitution is, is like divinely inspired, like the Bible. Um, in fact, a good number of people said that, mm-hmm. and so I think, I think it's important to think rightly about um, America and about our faith in Christ and Christian and, and where that's different. So, question is, is America a Christian nation? Is well, let me ask before I did it. Jessica, is there, is there thoughts on why you think we should talk about this?
0: Yeah, I think I mean I think it's for a lot of the exact reasons you said because there does seem to be confusion um, with political leaders and just people in general in and outside the church of what we mean, what people mean when they say that, and also if it's true or not. Uh-huh. Um, and I think you know going back to the biblical foundations and really taking a hard look at it uh, is necessary and needed and i think the other reason why too is because if we israel had an issue when the nation of israel was both a religious group and a political group like those lines meshed all the time and so of like what what was a political decision what was a religious decision and it it influenced everything from their national policies to you know how they did religion in their country and um and I don't know and I think that part of you know that was part of the reasons why the prophets had to be so harsh because they'd be like no like you're not you're not following God at all and it's not just because of like your political status like as a religious group like you've lost it like you're just focused on the political stuff now and you assume that just because you're born into this nation like you're okay Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that if we don't have this conversation, we can start heading in the same direction.
1: Okay. And that actually leads me to my main first point is theologically, how, how do we think of this? Well, America's not a Christian nation because no nation can be a Christian nation Mm. is, is you don't enter the kingdom of God as a nation. Now you brought up Israel. Yeah. Israel was the people of god they they were as a nation chosen by God for a special purpose, so I think what we we easily can do is is um analogize between their situation, okay, so if you're an Israelite, you were supposed to believe and stay faithful to Yahweh the Lord right, and if you departed from that, you were no longer being a true good member of Israel Mm -hmm. and we could take that and apply that to ours and think it that Israel applies to America, the better application is Israel applies to the church. Mm. So that's, if you want to think of that analogy from the old Testament is Israel does not conform to our nation. It conforms to the body of Christ. We as the body of Christ are the chosen people of God. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, I said, no one enters the nation, no no nation enters the kingdom of God as a nation in John one twelve it says you enter it individually,
2: yeah,
1: um, you know it says that though many had rejected him, yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, and you could pick out any number of other verses mm-hmm. that talk about it is by faith, individually as we put our faith in the Lord that we are then included. Amongst the people of God. Mm-hmm. And so that is how. We become part of this. This nation. Um, the The great picture. I love. And I'm going to read. Revelation 7. Mm. If you're thinking about theologically. It gives you a picture. Of what the church is. In Revelation. And. Um, I'm almost there. <laughs> so it, it pictures. The, these great ever-growing number of people who who have made a change and it says after this i looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb that is the picture of the church this this great multitude um and we don't see it because we only see our local situation Mm -hmm. but but god sees it right that's what he sees when he sees the church all these people and from all these different nations together united as one one church worshiping um the God, worshiping God and worshiping the lamb.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what you see in Acts. Right at the beginning of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes and the sign that the Holy Spirit brings after the tongues of fire on people's heads is people are speaking in different languages so that all nations can immediately enter into his family. And so even, even from there, it's automatically like, no, like the new family is defined by being not just one people or nation or tribe or tongue.
1: Right. So this picture of people from all nations, but again, the key is entering individually. Yeah. Right. Jesus said, you know, if you would enter the kingdom, you must come as a little child.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's talking about faith, that that humility. You don't, you don't come with God to God and negotiate your way in. Right. You come as a child and you receive it. Last picture on that, though, just to almost, not to qualify, but to, to um, I think, add a, a truth that goes with it is I think there is in each nation some peculiar aspect that is valued by God. Mm. And the very end in Revelation, it talks about how in this new city, after the return of Christ, after everything is set right... I love this verse. It says, um, it says, and, and, and the city, the great city has no need of a sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamb and by its light will a nation's walk and the Kings of the earth will bring their glory into it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how I interpret that is that each, each nation, each people group will have some aspect of glory that will add to this this cacophony the the great the great mixture of God's people in the eternal kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so America too will, will there'll be some aspects maybe it'll be um hot dogs and baseball and apple pie you know like <laughs> yeah. that'll be the glory that we bring into this new kingdom. Uh maybe it'll be our you know insatiable desire for freedom or something like that
2: but mm-hmm.
1: so that's my sort of theological take is there anything you want to clarify out of that
0: yeah i I think just something that's running through my brain the last thing that you just said i somebody kind of paraphrased your your thought to me by saying that there is not one nation or tribe or culture that can contain all of who god is
2: Ooh, okay
1: and yeah. so
0: like each culture has a as a as an aspect that portrays something beautiful about who god's character and who god is and who he mm. created us to be and on the same flip side, each nation therefore also has something that is completely against right. God's character. And so it's, you know, it's I take that same thio- uh, philosophy when I look at different denominations and I'm working with students. Is the like, each each denomination has something that's beautiful and each denom- denomination has some quirks and like how can we bring all of that to the table and take the best out of every group and, you know, learn from each other.
1: Yeah. Jessica, I really like, thinking about that denominational thing that way, mm-hmm. having been in the parachurch world, that's a great way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so easy to see the flaws in other church denominations and where they go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see there is aspects from each that bring into the kingdom. Yeah. Now, I'm distinguished between theological and biblical, though there there's not a lot but of difference. But there's just a few other Bible verses that I think – inform this idea that um and so philippians 320 and i'm not going to look it up i'm just going to tell you it it basically says our citizenship is in heaven Mm -hmm. rather than you know so ultimately as believers in christ our primary citizenship is in the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. and paul wrote that within the roman empire where, you, you may be in a local town like Philippi was fought, was part of Greece, mm-hmm. and yet, um, you could actually be awarded or achieve citizenship, a Roman citizenship that had certain values and, and characteristics, right. and that's what Paul's saying about you know citizenship in the kingdom of God is that. You, we come into this special things that we're, we have privileges and rights and responsibilities as citizens of the king that, that even out-prioritize mm-hmm. our citizenship in our current country. Not it doesn't take it away. Right. But it does have a higher... How would I say that? A, uh, h- a higher priority, a higher...
0: Emphasis? It's the... Well, I'm thinking of... My brain goes back to... Because that also stems from the tradition of being in exile. Right? So yeah. if you're living in a country that's, you know, my true citizenship if I'm in exile is to Yahweh. Yeah. However, I'm living in a country and if I'm following the ways of Daniel, I'm, you know, looking for the benefit of that country. I might even be in their courts serving as an official. But yet, like there comes a time where my true loyalty comes out. And my true loyalty is always to Jesus.
1: Yes. And actually I didn't have this written down, but Hebrews says the same thing. It talks about those who live by faith
2: mm.
1: and by faith, even though they lived in a broken world and a lot of them felt experienced a lot of things, they believed that they had a home with God mm-hmm. that was, and that, that it was greater than, than the home they lived in. Another verse that I think informs us on this is Galatians three twenty eight, And that man, I just, I've used this a lot. We, I preached on it not too long ago. It says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it's another way of saying that our relationship with Christ transcends our our citizenship, so our racial makeup or even our social status. Mm-hmm. Um, one last one is is First Peter two. And so in the Old Testament, the the Jewish people referred to, they would, God said he would make them a kingdom of priests Mm -hmm. and into a holy nation. Now Peter is writing to believers of different nations, of different ethnic backgrounds. And what does he say about them in 1 Peter 2? He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession." that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Mm. And so when we put our faith in Christ, we become God's people. But so once you are not, it doesn't mean you're you not born into this people. It's something that you have by stepping into that relationship with Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are there other verses that you want to add to to these that come to your mind.
0: I don't. There's none specifically. You hit on a couple of them. And I think for me. I think the exile for me is a lot of. Like it's more of a theme. Than a particular verse. Okay. Um,
1: well some come to mind later. We can bring them back. Yep. Yeah. So first. That's the first thing I always go to. Is what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes clear. That. I mean, just in a literal sense, America can't be a Christian nation, because no nation can be. You know, the nation it talks about is the the nation of God's people, right. who are who are formed through Christ.
0: Right. Yeah. It and you know they, the whole reason why they were so distraught when at Jesus's death was because they thought he was going to be a political king. Yeah. Like that was one of their underlying assumptions. So immediately from Acts, you have. That, like, it's very obvious that there was never a desire or a trajectory of them trying to gain political power. Uh It was just, like, no, we are a completely new nation of God's people that doesn't have, you know, doesn't own land, doesn't have political power. But we are yet children of God.
1: Yeah. So, to switch to a different way of analyzing the question... what about our founding documents does Mm -hmm. it declare us to be a christian nation no not not really so um you have the constitution and it doesn't say a whole lot about god except you get to the first amendment and i actually have a thing of the bill of rights in (laughs) in my office because i i think these are golden we should know these um i think i remember having to memorize did you have to memorize the in high school probably probably i i i don't remember them very well so if i did i don't remember what they are but um but except the first one Mm -hmm. and that is um the right to freedom and religion speech press assembly and petition congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So, Congress shall not, shall not establish a religion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, but also not prohibit the free exercise thereof. So, in short, we just say, we have freedom of religion but but you got to realize the that was how different that was mm. than the nations around. So England had a national church. Yes. It's called the Church of England. Yep. And you theoretically could be um if you were not in the Church of England, if you practiced a different religion, you were called a dissenter. And that's actually what the Pilgrims were. They were dissenters yeah. in England who says we want to be free to practice our own religion so they ultimately left England and came became pilgrims if you were in Spain you were a catholic and um and so the founders did not want to recreate that mm-hmm. they did not want they very specifically and at the time of the founding you had dif- different states had kind of become almost they almost had some established religions Mary, Mary Linda was catholic mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, Massachusetts was congregational territory. I forget one of them was Baptist. I don't remember which one yeah. might've been Providence. Mm.
2: Um,
1: but they were all afraid that, you know, when they were forming this nation, that one of them would somehow get enough power to say ours will be the national religion. Right. And, you know, and so they, they insisted it was the clergy or the Christians who insisted that we we make sure that there is no established religion
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in America. And now the assumption maybe they would have had is most people would be Christian. But they also put nothing, um, I think somewhere there will there, be no um, test for religion to as to whether you can hold office. Mm-hmm. Like they did not want a religious test before you're able to, and again, that was different from you had in England, or especially in England, where they came from.
0: Right, right. Because, I mean, we were talking about Israel before. Most countries at that time, and, you know, for every century earlier, uh-huh. it was the religious was also tied to the political. Yeah. So, you know, it it was assumed that they were connected.
1: Yes. Yeah, and the the king in England, the king and the archbishop of Canterbury, I believe the king would appoint the archbishop, or at least have a veto power and th- there were some um, different incidents in, in the history of England where that those two came to head. Mm-hmm. But that was, but the King pretty much controlled the church
0: Right.
1: and America was not going to be so.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, now let's just get a kind of the clarifying truth is one of the quotes I saw was from Madison and I'll see if I can do it by memory. Mm-hmm. But uh, Madison said, "When he and Mad James Madison was was probably the main architect of the Constitution. He was the thinker. He he was the one that wanted to make sure that this 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 country would last and that they would be stable. They knew the history of ancient Rome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, a lot of the a lot of the influence came of their their knowledge of the ancient times and how easily democracy just turned bad. Yeah." Um, and so they tried to do some careful checks and balances. But Madison made a statement, he says, this Constitution was written for a moral and religious people and and something to the effect of like it will suffice for no other. Meaning he he kind of knew a requirement for the American experiment to last was that if people were, were shaped by the religious values that came out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So there was some sense of that, that the biblical values, I mean, simply, you got to be, you got to have honesty without honesty and integrity. Democracy is not ultimately going to work. If everyone is willing to say whatever they want to say
2: mm-hmm.
1: for their side to win, um, ultimately it will fall in upon itself. Um, and they knew that the perpetuation of America relied upon probably people Living out and perpetuating biblical truths. Mm -hmm. Does that help clarify anything? Like, respond to that.
0: Yeah, I think. No, I I think it makes sense that, you know, since the majority of the founding fathers at least had a a background or an understanding of Christianity, whether or Uh not they were practicing or not. I don't know. You some
1: argue. some of them very much were. Right. There were some very strong Christians. All of them were informed. They they would have grown up learning. Like even Benjamin Franklin, who probably was let's put this he was known as a philanderer. Yeah, that's
0: the yeah, he was the one I was thinking of when I was like,
1: Yeah. But he still wrote a book about the Bible and was pro faith in its own way, even if it's more of a civil religion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jefferson's the other one who they were more influenced by enlightenment values. Right. Um, so I've heard it said that the, that America was found on Judeo Christian values and there's definitely a truth in that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say it's a mix of that and enlightenment values that they got from John Locke, um, Hobbes. So they, they took some of the thinking of their times but it was very much biblically informed as well
0: Mm -hmm. so um yeah and i and i think i guess i do want to add the caveat because i I have like biblically there's can be a difference between biblically informed and like biblically or you know and god enlightened i guess is what i because there's going to be some people who and i think you said this earlier there's some people who believe that like you know The Declaration of Independence, all our founding documents and stuff are like inspired by God. Um, Right. And I I don't, I think you can have something that is biblically informed without it being inspired by God.
1: Yes. It was certainly not inspired by God the way the Bible, the Holy Scriptures are inspired by God, God breathed. They may be inspired in the sense that, that these, I think these guys were very smart. Mm-hmm. And that they came to some some wise decisions based on it. But let me um yeah. Let me read just a think thing from the declaration, the other founding document. And do I still have it? Do I still have it? where did I put it? There we go. So um, we everyone should know this line, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, um, we can go on from there. But but notice how it says it: that that we're created equal, endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights. So think mm-hmm. think about this: that they don't apply it just to believers. In Christianity, anyone created by God has these certain inalienable rights. They they set up a system that applied to those who were whatever religion you would be.
0: So I do I do want to be a little bit of a devil's advocate on that. Okay. Um, because I, I think you're right in that in some ways, like, that would have been revolutionary. And it does assume that, like, hold on. I'm going to just, I'm restarting that thought. Um, I think that what they were saying, though, in the Constitution is a little different than saying like that all men and women are made in the image of God. Correct. And so, and I think some people confuse that because they assume that the founding documents are like, oh, yeah, clearly it's Christian because right. they say all people are made in the image of God. However, if you think about it, like one of the first words in there is all men. So you're right. already excluding women. And the assumption is that that the founding fathers would have made also is that um, it mostly was talking about landholding men that were white.
1: Well, I don't know if that's what they meant. I go with what they said.
0: Well, I I mean,
1: and I've I've heard that critique that they um, that it didn't apply to African Americans. I think especially the Southerners, right?
0: Right. Well, and I think, I think... And I think
1: they probably would have debated what it meant among themselves. I guess even. for
0: me, the the kind of... The fact that automatically from the start that black men or slaves weren't counted as full people um, when you're talking about... And weren't allowed to vote. Right. Um, I think that automatically to me is like, well, yeah, you say that all men are made equal, but actually you're not practicing what you're thinking and saying, and therefore you're not actually... Yeah. saying it. So, so I, guess, I guess that's my one critique is the, like, I think, I think it's a good start in the right direction. But I think that they still had a limited worldview as to who was included. Of
1: course they did. Yeah. Right. I, and I'm not disputing, in a sense, your point. Okay. It's just not the point I'm making. Fair. The point I'm making is that they, they, they didn't say that all Christians okay. have yes. these inalienable rights or all those who believe in God. I'm, mm-hmm are have these inalienable rights it's all men um ideally it would've been great if they said in women um and it would've been even better if said men all men of all races but they 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 weren't yeah. thinking there yet but all men um are endowed by their creator with these inal- in other words, you have it regardless of your religious status i'm
0: following and
1: that's the point i i think that's that's interesting um out of this that they weren't intending to create a Christian nation. Right. They were intending to create a free nation mm-hmm. that was free for people to practice their religion. And they were cut. Con- I'm sure they argued about that, but they were conscious about that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, so good point.
1: <laughs> um, they had things to, f- to figure out later on the race issue. Um, took a very bad war to do it. Plus, plus more time, but yeah. Um, i I do want to get to historically
2: mm-hmm.
1: because the other thing that really informed of them was was the and I've sort of hinted on this already how the other nations had um established churches they didn't want to follow that path, but also the wars of religion mm. um, England I did a history of the Church of England and and there was a period where England went back and forth between Protestant and Catholic, Catholic. and what happened is if you were a if you were a clergy person and you were on one side you suddenly lost your job or maybe even were killed right and then and then all of a sudden you were back in power and then it would flip again and and like that was you know they they did not want to repeat that that kind of thing that religious test mm. and so they were intent on making religion a place where you could be free um and and i think i think in this way america is special in that um, it developed this idea that that people who are free to follow God or not is actually the best way to promote Christianity. Mm-hmm. The established churches in Europe faded a lot faster
2: yeah.
1: than the free church that we have in America.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, we we see some decline in the church more recently, but we're still... A lot stronger than in Europe, where they had these established churches. Right. And I think what God wants us is, is a place where people are, are the the message can be known, and we're free to practice, um, but we're also free to not practice religion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess this kind of, and I might be going ahead, so you can tell me if I am, but, so you know, some people, I, I think a lot of Christians, right. Um, when, when things like prayer in school stopped. And, you know, we're talking about how a lot of these founding documents kind of assume Christianity as the base religion. Yeah. So what does that mean for Christians who... And I guess how should Christians respond then when issues regarding other religions pop up in our nation?
1: Okay. Well, if I can even tell the prayer in school... When I was doing ministry 20 years ago, that was an issue that still got brought up every so often. It's been so long since we've had... Now, even to clarify, there is prayer in school. Kids can pray in school.
0: Right. It's just Um, not structured or... uh...
1: Teacher-led. Yes. Administration-led. But, I mean, think about it. Do you really want administrators or teachers teaching your kids about religion nowadays? Would you assume that they would be able to teach christianity i mean if you're at a public school
0: right i mean some of them could but
1: yeah but you wouldn't want to and you know what if you you even just go what if it's it's someone of a different denomination well they're going to teach their way right do you really want that no Mm -hmm. you know um I, i i i grew up where you know after the official school prayers has ended and i never wanted would never want to go back. I, I mm-hmm. I'd rather it be, it's almost, I remember thinking it was almost like, um, rebellious to be Christian in school, like to pray or bring your Bible. Yep, and...
0: that's how I, had it.
1: <laughs> so that seems more right to me than to try to, cause if, if it was coming from the school administrators, then I'd rebel again away from it. <laughs> Maybe that's just part of me. I'm part of how I'm, so I, I actually have a video clip. Mm hmm. So the other thing you brought up is, um, should we try to inhibit the practice of other religions? Should we make Christianity easy to practice and try to stop? Um, specifically, there's a question that's going to guess about Islam. Should, why should we let them build mosques? Why shouldn't mm-hmm. we try to stop that? So let me play a clip. So Russell Moore is a, a a Southern Baptist thinker. A very thoughtful um theologian and he's asked a question at one of their conferences by a guy who says why do you why, I don't understand why are why are you supportive of of protecting the rights of Muslims to build their mosques mm-hmm. and to practice their religion. Why why as a follower of Jesus wouldn't you want to stop that? And here's uh Dr. Moore's answer
3: this and that he would stand up and say well let us protect the rights of those Baal worshipers to erect temples to Baal." do you believe that dr moore you know sometimes we have to deal with questions that are really complicated and we have to spend a lot of time thinking them through and 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 not sure exactly uh, what the final result was going to be sometimes we have really hard decisions to make this isn't one of those things what it means to be a baptist is to support soul freedom for everybody. And brothers and sisters, when you have a government that says we can decide whether or not a house of worship can be constructed based upon the theological beliefs of that house of worship, then there are going to be Southern Baptist churches in San Francisco and New York and throughout this country who are not going to be able to build. And the bigger issue though is not one of self-interest, The bigger issue is the fact that we have been called to the gospel of Jesus Christ, a government that has the power to outlaw people from assembling together and saying what they believe that does not turn people into Christians. That turns people into pretend Christians and it sends them straight to hell. The answer to Islam is not government power. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the new birth that comes from that. Thank you,
1: Dr. So, hopefully you could hear that answer. We're, we're trying something, but but he made two points. Did you catch what the two points were? Two reasons why we wouldn't try to stop Islam from practicing their religion in America?
0: Right. So the the first one I got was like a practical of the, like, you know, if they, if we, if the government stops Islam from practicing, then who are they going to stop next? Yeah. Um. And, you know, that's a lot of the, like, the thoughts from, um, nope, I lost that thought. Anyway. That, so so that if, you, if you, if you
1: allow government the, the power mm-hmm. to, to, to stop some from practicing their religion, take away the freedom of religion from some, how do you know that power won't be used against you? Yeah. And he went strong. He's like, you know, there are cities <laughs> that if they could, they would not let Southern Baptist churches ever build a a, a church in their city. Mm-hmm. And we in upstate New York, you know, in the great state of New York, kind of know, do you want our government, state government to have the power to, to say, no, you can't build a church because we don't want to have a church here. Mm-hmm. So that was the one reason. The other yeah. one he said.
0: The other one is that, you know, it's not going to be a, a government policy that's going to make people turn into Christians. Um, even if you're forcing them to do Christian religious things. The only mm-hmm. thing that can actually bring somebody to be a Christian is that they have a relationship with Jesus.
1: Yeah. He used the term soul freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's, I've heard that term in other places. Um but but I, I, the more that you think about, it, like, God wants people to freely offer him their worship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, in fact, I think God is pleased when it's not easy. <laughs> like, if it's easy to do worship and you're expected to and everyone does, you know, is I think Dr. Moore is right. Like, well, then people will do it just because they're supposed to, not because they truly love God. Mm-hmm. Um, But if we live in a culture where the headwinds against us and you might actually face consequences for being known as a follower of Jesus, then God is all the more pleased when Mm -hmm. you face that with courage and you stand up and you you say, I'm I'm for him, whatever it costs me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the you know, if I'm really a follower of Jesus, then like I need to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow him no matter what that means. And if you know, if it's easy, then am I actually denying myself? Right. It's too easy to become, it's so easy to worship God that it's too easy to become complacent.
2: Yeah.
1: So what I think sometimes when people say is America, America must be a Christian nation. It's a way of demanding the culture around us change to be more Christian Mm. without going through the hard work of persuading them towards Christ.
0: Ooh, I like that. Can you say that again?
1: I don't know if I can. So it's, it's a shortcut. You want the, It's a way of demanding the culture around us becomes more Christian mm-hmm. without doing the hard work of persuasion, of winning them with the message of Christ. Yeah,
0: and if I, if I could tack on to that, I think also with that same demand um, comes the danger of then also not being willing to critique our nation. Yeah. Um because, you know, it we should be the first ones to be self-reflecting. About mm-hmm. both ourselves and also about what our nation does and how we vote and who we vote for and what policies are created. And so if we're not if we just assume like, oh, our nation is Christian and like that's good, then we're not going to be like, well, actually, it could be better. Like actually, does my nation's policies really love my neighbors well? Mm. Um, and I think that a lot of times people can just say, "Yeah, no, we're good," um, and not actually be like, "Well, let's yeah. do some self-reflection. Let's actually look at our history because our history is a lot more convoluted than yeah. we think it is."
1: You, you, another reason I I had been thinking about it, trouble expressing the words of like, why should you not think of America as a Christian nation? Is it sort of makes Christianity complicit. In some really bad things. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I think America is a free nation where Christianity has prospered
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the Bible has had influence. Um, But, you know, yeah. It, and I think, you know, you look at slavery and you saw Christians who use the Bible to justify slavery, but you also had other Christians who who basically started the abolitionist movement. Right. And so you can look at it as a debate within Christian, amongst Christians, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure where I'm going with that now. But anyways.
0: Well, no, and I think that like, I guess for me too, so um, this book is a lot harsher than you have been. Um, yeah. It's 12 Lies That Hold America Captive and the Truth That Sets Us Free. Um, but one of the history pieces I learned was that, you know, we... When we say, if you say that America is a Christian nation, then you can put founding fathers and other people on pedestals. I mean, just like we do with celebrity um, pastors and stuff, right? You can put people on pedestals. So, for example, one of the ones is Abraham Lincoln. And his quote, when he was being accused of promoting equality between whites and Negroes, is that, and this is a a quote from his address... um, the fourth presidential debate in Charleston, Illinois. And so he said, I will say that I am not nor ha- ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the b- white and black races. And so he thought that all men, both black and white, had the freedom, should have the freedom to enjoy the fruits of their labor and have the opportunity to advance in society. But he didn't actually think that they were equal. Yeah. And so it's like when, when we start sugarcoating things and just putting labels on it and being like, oh, no, we're, we're a great nation, you miss things like that. Yeah. And I think that's, It's it's good to both say, yeah, our nation has some great benefits to it and some really good smart decisions, good things we've done, and also, like, there's a lot that we could have done better, and so let's try to do it better now.
1: True. But again, I maybe even push back on your pushback.
0: <laughs> You're allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> is,
1: is, is we got rid of it. Slavery has been an institution throughout most of human history. True. And we made a choice. And Lincoln was a huge part of it. So, because you were poking at a hero of mine now, <laughs> is, um, is a huge part of, of being willing to, to, um, to get rid of it at great cost. Mm. And so there's all, there was always reasons to not get rid of slavery, you know, and most nations had trouble getting there Mm -hmm. in England. It was the Christians pushing for it. Yes. That, that, that started to change it there. It had become so rooted in the South that, that they, it wasn't going to disappear on its own. Mm -hmm. We had to make a choice. So, so yeah, I agree. You don't want to whitewash our history.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think if you can even, I, I try to take the pressure off, like it's okay to admit that they didn't have everything right, mm-hmm. both as Americans or Christians. Yeah. Um, I am a little cautious because I see over criticism, like comparing America to some ideal that has never been met anywhere. Mm. And... that's when i start to push back i guess
0: okay i and i guess the because the if you're comparing america to an ideal that hasn't existed anywhere then in my brain immediately says you're comparing america to the church um or what the church should be because in theory that is the ideal of a a group of people and that's not supposed you're comparing apples and oranges almost because that's not supposed to be a government
1: right yeah
0: so, again, another reason as to why America is not a Christian <laughs> nation.
1: <laughs> Let me just throw out one last thought. We probably should wind this up. Probably. I, it's probably going a little longer than some of ours. But one reason why I thought this would be a good topic is I'm starting a new sermon series. As, have I mentioned that yet? I think hmm. every time. I don't um, know. Have you? But we're talking about Elijah. And this really relates to this new series is that Elijah was trying to keep the people of Israel Faithful to to God mm-hmm. in other words, he was combating strongly and forcefully a religious change that was coming into his nation and and so, if you try to equate Israel with America, then it just doesn't work like but if you if you equate Israel to the church. Then it is true we we in the church are called to stay faithful mm. to worshiping our our one God and not not turn to false worship. so I want people as I'm going through Elijah not be thinking about the country as a whole, but how can we in the church stay faithful and how what can we learn from elijah's example in what we're called to do within our within the body of Christ?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah should be exciting.
1: it should be. I feel like I've talked a lot. <laughs>
0: That's okay. That's why it's a special.
1: There you go. It's a special.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, as always, thank you. This has been fun. (laughs) Yes.